This podcast is brought to you by the Nuclear Energy Institute. It powers our cities. It boosts our economy. It creates jobs. It even powers space travel. It's nuclear energy. And it does so much more than you think. Discover all nuclear is doing at discovernuclear.com backslash CQ. From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Week Ahead Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. A new Supreme Court term starts on October 2nd. The High Court will hear a number of important cases on anti-discrimination law and religious freedom, voting rights, immigration, and redistricting. It's also the first full term for new Justice Neil Gorsuch, whom President Donald Trump appointed to the court earlier this year. I'm Sean Zeller, deputy editor of CQ Magazine, and I'll talk about it today with our Supreme Court reporter, Todd Ruger, who'll be at the court next week for oral arguments. Welcome, Todd. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me on. So Neil Gorsuch, he served part of a term last year. What do we know about him from that? Well, we, we only know what he did last year. He was in about 17 opinions from the, the court, along with some other miscellaneous actions. But uh, he is a going to side with the conservatives, it appears. He did in those 17 cases. He was uh, constantly on, on the side of the other conservative justices and the conservative wing. That, that said, uh, it was only a small selection of cases that we know what he's done. And uh, he's going to start a term now where he uh, is going to be basically a clean slate on a lot of these issues that are coming up. So let's rewind for our listeners a bit. Uh, Neil Gorsuch, of course, was appointed by President Trump earlier this year and confirmed by the Senate. And this was all very controversial because he replaced Antonin Scalia, the longtime conservative judge who died in 2016. President Barack Obama tried to replace Scalia with Merrick Garland, a federal appeals court judge, and the Senate refused to take up the nomination. So how does Gorsuch compare with the judge he replaced, Scalia? Well, the, the court, Supreme Court has had a 5-4 advantage to the, for the conservatives for decades. And that whole, what you're talking about, politics there, held that seat open. And uh, Obama nominee would have flipped that, that ideological balance. But with Gorsuch, he comes in as a conservative, uh, Donald Trump helped had the the Federalist Society, a conservative group, uh, help pick his judges, and Gorsuch was one of them, and uh, it has reestablished that five four majority of conservatives. So it still is a conservative court. Now, the how does Gorsuch compare to Scalia in terms of his how he's going to rule on cases? Well, he looks like he's going to be conservative. And that's what the whole political fight was about. But what we don't know yet is exactly how he'll come down on a lot of cases that. Even Justice Scalia surprised sometimes about how he would come down on cases such as uh, search and seizure of phone records or um, the burning of the American flag. There is a case this this term on on whether or not the government can get your historical cell phone data, your location, uh, and your movements for an extended period of time without a warrant. And so it'll be the first time that as a justice. He rules on cases like that. Now, we have some clues in, in how he might rule based on his work as an appeals judge, but it's always a little different when they're a justice. And Scalia, of course, was a, a charismatic conservative, very active in oral arguments. Has Gorsuch been as well? He has. He When he got on the bench last April, he jumped right in, uh, asking a lot of questions. And then when, he, when the court was making decisions, 
he went out of his way to do a lot of extra writing or extra joining of other conservatives uh, on dissents or concurrence, concurrences and, and letting people know what his thoughts were on those particular things. He was very active, and it looks like he'll uh, remain active uh, initially. He sort of joined this uh, part of the court where they, uh, they want to say exactly what they think and not necessarily go along with the, silently with the majority. And as a new justice, he might want to do that even more. Uh, he might do that less when he when he spends decades on the bench, and and that's one of those things you just don't know um, what somebody who is in a position where they're going to be there for years uh, will be like, you know, down the road. Right now, we know what he's like. So court watchers track all the opinions and where the various judges come down. Where did Gorsuch fit in this past term? Who was he most like? Well, he, he agreed 100% of the time with Justice Clarence Thomas, uh, who is, is one of the more conservative members of the bench. He agreed 94% of the time with Justice Samuel Alito, who's another conservative member of the bench. And he agreed the least amount with, of any justice with Sonia Sotomayor at 59%. So uh, you can see where he's aligning there. And then a, a lot of times in, in some of these cases, he would do a dissent, and the dissent would be joined by Thomas and Alito. So he's, he's really aligned himself with, with that wing. And do we have a sense of where his opinion will matter most in this upcoming term? Uh, yeah, we do. We know that for sure there's one particular case where he will be most likely the deciding vote. It's an immigration case that was heard last term when the court only had eight members, and the court couldn't come to a decision, which sort of indicates that it was a 4-4 tie. They set it for rehearing this term now that Justice Gorsuch is on the bench. And so it looks like he'll cast that deciding vote. And what that case is about is the government's ability to detain undocumented immigrants who come into this country and, and then are detained and government is looking to deport them. How long those people can stay in detention without getting a hearing? The Ninth Circuit has says, said they should get a hearing every six months. Other circuits haven't said that. So it's up to the Supreme Court to decide. And you've got just Justice Gorsuch looking like he's going to be the one to decide. He's never really decided a case like this at the Supreme Court. And there's not a whole lot of immigration cases like this he's decided in his past. All right. So we'll turn in a minute to some of the other important cases on the docket. But first, one that won't be. People were expecting a big case on President Trump's plan to bar immigrants from certain Muslim-majority countries. But that's not on the docket anymore. Why so? Um, well, yeah, it was supposed to be October 10th. It was kind of one of the marquee cases here at the beginning of the term. Uh, the justices removed it from the calendar, though, because there was some action in the case. The The original travel ban that, that President Trump put into place had, had 90 days banning, from, banning travelers from six majority Muslim countries. And that ran out just two weeks, before, about two weeks before the oral arguments. And to replace it, Donald Trump put in a whole new travel restriction scheme. He added a couple countries. And um, and so it's almost like travel ban 3.0. Travel ban 1.0 being the first one that was shot down by the courts. The travel ban 2.0 being the one that uh, was shot down by the courts but is now pending in front of the Supreme Court. And then now this is the, a brand new thing. And the Supreme Court could always put it back on its calendar this term. But there's a lot of indications that they, they won't want to hear it now. One of those being they don't want to be the first court to hear 
uh, information about this new ban and decide whether it's constitutional or legal. They would rather have the trial courts do that, which is where, you know, that happens generally, and then they get to review those later after all the legal issues have been hashed out. It looks like it certainly will do that because a lot of these civil rights groups have said they were going to challenge this travel ban 3.0 because they say it's just an extension of the 1.0 and 2.0 in that it's a Muslim ban that the uh, Trump promised during his presidential campaign. Okay, so absent that, what are the big cases left on the docket? Um, Well, the one that takes the cake, I think, is the most talked about is Masterpiece Cake Shop. This involves uh, a bakery in Colorado and whether it has to bake a cake for a same-sex couple couple and their wedding. Uh, the, the baker says that uh, he is against same-sex marriage for religious reasons and that he, when he creates a cake, it's a First Amendment thing. It is his f- expression. And he doesn't want to be compelled to have to bake a cake for something he doesn't agree with. On the other side is a, a same-sex couple who in 2012 went to his bakery and said, we want to get a cake for a wedding, and he said no. And they, Colorado Civil Rights Commission said uh, that, it, that violates our anti-discrimination law. You can't open your doors for business uh, for, and bake cakes for an opposite-sex couple and deny it for a same-sex couple. And, uh, and so now there, this is a, a really two compelling narratives going up to the Supreme Court. At the center of this case is Justice Anthony Kennedy, who has written the most important uh, same-sex marriage and gay rights cases in the Supreme Court's history. Uh, but he's, he's also, tended to be supportive of it, right? And he's 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 the one that helped uh, that wrote the opinion that legalized same-sex marriage, and he uh, also but also has been very supportive of the First Amendment and free speech rights in, in his past. So he's going to have to try to find a way to carve. Uh, a line between these two constitutional rights. Okay, and there's also a big case in out of Wisconsin on gerrymandering and redistricting. Right, this is the case that Congress will probably want to most pay attention to because it could affect how congressional districts are drawn after the next census in, in 2020. Uh, this case is about how states can, uh, states are the ones that draw their not only their state districts but their congressional districts and how they use partisan data to sort of carve the lines and entrench an advantage for one party over the other in their state. Uh, for example, uh, in North Carolina, there are, there are 10 Republican seats and three Democratic seats. That's how it's been. When they, when they did uh, an effort to redraw their lines, they tried to preserve that, that balance. But North Carolina overall is more of a 50-50 state when it comes to voting for presidential elections or statewide office. Right, and election reformers say this is the reason we've got all this gridlock in Washington, that this kind of redistricting prevents moderates from taking on incumbents and entrenches liberals and conservatives, right? That's right, and there, there there's a, some sense among civil rights groups that this is coming to uh, uh, be more of a problem, and the justices are aware of that. And once again, Justice Anthony Kennedy is going to be the key vote in this case because these cases don't come along very often. Last time was 10 years ago that they considered partisan gerrymandering. Anthony Kennedy was at the center of that case, too, and he said, well, I don't want to close the door on anybody challenging a, uh, you know, a, a map based on partisan gerrymandering, but I also haven't seen a way to, for the courts to be able to look at this and come to a decision. There's no test. Well, this new case provides a test, a way to analyze exactly how 
partisan the, the lines are and how entrenched they are. And uh, and so everybody's wondering if if Kennedy will be uh, convinced. How's the Trump administration weighing in on these cases? Well, they, they are playing a huge role uh, through the Justice Department uh, in these cases because the Justice Department represents the government in front of the court. Um, there's one case in that Masterpiece Cake Shop case. Civil rights groups say this is the first time that the Justice Department has asked the court to find a carve-out to an anti-discrimination law uh, for First Amendment free speech rights. Uh, they are the agency that is enforcing anti-discrimination laws I I federally, and, and now they're asking the court to say there's, there's one reason why it's okay not to follow the anti-discrimination law. And then in a, in a case out of Ohio about uh, the state laws, the state's law about purging their voter rolls, the Justice Department for years has said that you can't take somebody off the roll and start that process just because they haven't voted. And that's what Ohio's law does. The Justice Department under Obama argued at the Sixth Circuit in this case, the, the appeals court, that, you, that that's not allowed under the motor voter law from 1993, that you can clear your voter rolls, but it can't be just because somebody hasn't voted. And now at the Supreme Court, the Trump DOJ has filed a brief that says the opposite. It basically says it is legal for the state to do this. And does the president's brief normally carry a lot of weight with the court? It certainly does. Uh, cases where the, the Solicitor General's office and the Justice Department have asked for the court to hear a case, generally have a better chance of, of being accepted by the court. And they, the, the government's brief weighs heavily in these oral arguments, and the government actually gets to, to argue at oral arguments in some of these cases. And now, more from our sponsor, the Nuclear Energy Institute. It powers our cities and towns across the country. It creates jobs. It adds billions to the economy. It even powers space travel. Life as we know it wouldn't be life as we know it without it. And it's called nuclear energy. Yes, nuclear energy. Every day, nuclear energy helps us to keep our country running and moving forward. Discover all the things nuclear is doing at discovernuclear.com backslash CQ. Nuclear. Power the extraordinary. Okay, you mentioned Anthony Kennedy a few times. He's the senior most judge on the court. He was appointed by Ronald Reagan in 1987. Why is he so important? Well, he is the quote-unquote swing vote, that he is, a, he is a conservative justice. He has been, but he has a track record of sometimes way, siding with the liberal wing and delivering a 5-4 victory for the liberals on issues like women's rights and gay rights and affirmative action. And... Uh, in this particular term, there's a lot of cases where he will once again be in the middle. Uh, you, you know, how you have Justice Gorsuch; he's new. Everybody will be watching him. But like we've said, he he was a he was put on there as a conservative, and it looks like he's playing that role. So the the real decider is still Justice Kennedy. And this may be his last term. A lot of people think that's true. The the it was rumors that he was going to retire at the end of last term. That didn't come true. And so a lot of people think, well, maybe this is his last term. Uh, because he has been uh, on the bench so long and there is a Republican in the White House, he might be feel comfortable uh, with President Trump selecting his successor. And a lot of, a lot of that could affect the way that he, he rules because he, he might say this is my last chance to leave a, a lasting imprint on the American legal landscape. 
All right. Thanks for coming on, Todd. Sure. We'll look forward to your reports from the court next week. Sounds good. I'm Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One.